0: Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 366, I get to welcome back on the show, Tori Peterson. I really wanted people to understand
1: the really dark place that I was in because of the abuse that I'd experienced and because of the sin in the world. And I wanted people to understand like no matter how dark of the place you're coming from, no matter what you've done or what you've had done to you, God loves you and he can bring you out of that place with his
0: light and with his hand that's been over your life. Tori came on the show three years ago and shared her story of being a child in the foster care system in and out of 12 different homes over six years and homeless at the age of 18. Since we recorded that episode, she has been a foster parent herself, and you're going to hear more about that journey and how it didn't quite end how she thought, but how she saw God's hand. She followed his lead. She continued to serve the least of these, even if it didn't look like what she thought it would look like. Uh, It's super inspiring, no matter what position you're in right now, to remember that God is in control and that he will lead you. Our job is to follow and obey and serve who he places in front of us, Um, even if it doesn't look like what we think it's going to look like, including, oh my, you can't wait to hear what God did in Tori's life this last year and the position she holds. It's out of this world. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go. Tori, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank
1: you, Heather. I have to say this because I feel like it's important when it comes to how we see people and how we help them in their calling. You were the first person to let me on their podcast and say, I don't think you're just a young woman with a bunch of baggage trying to put their story out there. You were like, God has anointed you and he's called you, and I want to be a part of it. You're the first person.
0: Oh, I'm honored. I'm honored. And it's been such a joy to watch you blossom and grow and become Mrs. Universe. I mean, small thing. Come on. Won't he do Thank it? You Heather. Won't he do Thank it? You. I mean. And y'all, I know we're kind of jumping in because we know each other because she was on the show. Tori was uh, in October of 2019. If you haven't listened to that one, I don't do this often, but you might want to pause and go back and find it and listen to it because it really shares a lot of your story, which has a lot of pain and hard, but also hope. And it was a story of hope. It's actually foster care story of hope is the title. Since we recorded that, you've walked through your own journey of being a foster parent. Could you give a quick synopsis? I know it's like your story is amazing, and you're you wrote about it in a book that's coming out soon. Could you give someone who ha- who's not gonna pause and take my advice? They're not gonna go listen to that episode. Could you give them a synopsis of your story before we get into yeah, being a foster I'll give parent? Give them
1: the bite size, version. okay. <laughs> okay. Here's the snack size version of Tori's story. Um, so my mom was severely mentally ill. Grew up with a single mom, and then I went to the system when foster care system when I was four years old. I was reunified with my mom and lived with her until I was twelve. And my mom got in a car accident that took her out of work, that put us together all the time. And her mental illness, I think, just didn't have a good place to manifest, healthy place, um, like. It did with her work. And um, that made the abuse and the neglect kind of skyrocket in our home. And so I went back into the foster care system as an adolescent. I moved throughout 12 different homes, struggled to form any lasting long term relationships with foster parents. I emancipated the day I turned 18 with no forever family. Um, But then I had a phenomenal track coach who just poured into me, loved me said I could accomplish great things uh, because words are so powerful. I became a five-time state champion in track and field, and my track coach took me in. And now I do advocacy for youth and foster
0: care, and I have an amazing family, and I am abundantly blessed. And you are married, and you guys have how many biological children? We have two biological children, three-year-old named Leander,
1: one-year-old girl named Ezri, And we adopted, um, a young man last year. He's now 18. Um, but his name is Sar.
0: Tell me about the motivation behind that. Given your story, how, how is that for you? You know, people ask us all the time.
1: Why did you adopt him? Like, why wouldn't you have just taken him in and told him that you were his family? What's the point of the adoption? And Youth in foster care, youth in his situation, they are told, we are told um, so many promises. I think when you put it to paper, it just creates um, the security that was never there before. And it showed him, just like it showed me um, when my track coach changed my last name to his, that he... Like, we're really not going anywhere. And mm-hmm. we really see this as a forever thing. He is a part of our family. And that is how God adopts us into his family. It's not like Jesus, he's it's not like Jesus is my son and then there's all the rest of you. He's like, Jesus is my son and I adopt all of you as heirs of my kingdom, just like Jesus was an heir of my kingdom. I want to reflect, I'm made in the image of God. I'm meant to reflect Jesus in the life that I live. And I want to do that to the best of my ability so that people look at me and go, wait, why do you adopt that kid? And I can have this answer pointing them back to the only, you know, the only thing that gives us all the healing
0: that we need. That is God. Preach it. Come on. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I also know that part of your story is being a foster parent and you have advised foster parents based on your own experience and what was helpful and what was not helpful. How did that advice change when you then became the foster parent? Did it? Yeah. It's
1: so interesting because I, so I, I offer foster care consultations for foster parents to give them the perspective of a former foster youth. Um, I don't know if I would ever give them the perspective of a foster parent because I don't know if I was too good at it. So at the beginning of 2021, God, um, he spoke the scripture over me to whom much is given much is required. And that's kind of the verse I carried throughout 2021. But I didn't really know like what God wanted me. I was like, God, what do you want me to do with this? And um, I just kept praying over it, but still felt some confusion. I was just like, Okay, what God God is saying with this? To whom much is given, much is required. Like because He has given me so much, that means that I need to give back to my community, and I need to serve those who are often go unseen and Serve the least of these. That's how I viewed it. And um, then in 2021, we got a foster care placement of three, a sibling group of three. We had five kids, three and under. And I used to kind of say, like, everybody get involved in foster care. We can all be a part of this mission. And while I still do believe that's true, like, I believe that all of us can look at what we have right where we are and do something and affect. A youth in foster care. But at the same time, I see so much that we really have to put in the heart work first. And we, I think that I, there was just so much more maturing in me that needed to happen that I didn't quite understand. And so God has, had been speaking this verse over me and we had the sibling group of three for about three months. And one of the rules was that we couldn't have, because of their ages, we couldn't have all five of them with just one of us. So if just me or just my husband, we always had to be like the ratio always had to be five to two. Um, And so what I did was I I went to the grocery store and I said, I'm going to take the two birth babies and the three foster babies are going to stay back. And I'm going to go, I went to go grab us all lunch. And um, I went to the grocery store that my adolescent son worked at at the time. And I said, okay, I'm going to run in. He's going to watch the car. And I left my two birth babies in the car. Um, The cops were called and we lost our foster care license. Well, I guess we didn't lose our license, but we lost um, the opportunity to foster a week later. And I was so upset. I was so mad because When I was in the foster care system, I had experienced abuse and there was like not a consequence like that for my foster parents. Um, And I was like, I really do love these kids. I really have a heart for these kids. But I think what I was missing, again, was going back to that scripture, to whom much is given, much responsibility is required. And when I look back at that decision, I do see how it wasn't a responsible decision. And I think God is going to continue as he has continued to give me much, to give our family much that we need to steward well. There are so many ministers who have hurt people outside of the church and inside the church because they haven't been responsible with what God has given them. And so in 2021, um, that is really what God taught me is that, you know, I just need to be more responsible in um, the things that he's given me to be another way to reflect him is to be a good steward. Um, and I just don't really think that I took that seriously and maturely until this past year.
0: That's a hard way to learn, Tori. <laughs> That's a really hard way to learn.
1: It, it is a really hard way to learn, but man, God has always been so gracious to me. I feel like growing up in foster care jumping into things really young he has allowed me to learn things so much at a young age and i know i have so so much to learn but there are things that you know i i do just i'm like i'm st- that maybe people my age are very into and i just know like i'm staying away from that because i already experienced it say when i was in college or when i was in high school because I made those mistakes then. And so I'm grateful that God is so gracious to me in the things that he
0: continues to teach me. A couple things I've learned with having four boys is while hand-me-downs are fantastic, there is a time limit on clothes. Elastic doesn't last forever. And boys are super tough on <laughs> They smell a lot of food. Uh, So I'm finding that with my third and fourth, I am having to buy some new things. I've also found that they grow really quickly around the tween age. And so I have put in a second Stitch Fix order with Stitch Fix Kids for my third son. He does not enjoy shopping. He has very particular taste. But he looks so great in the Stitch Fix clothes I got him last time that we are giving it another shot. And if you want to check it out, what I love is it's super effortless. I go in there. I give them their sizes. I updated the sizes (laughs) and I tell him what he likes. I can even do this little quiz where I thumbs up or thumbs down choices they show me so they get a feel for what I will like for him um, or what he likes. Items start at just $10.00. They start to learn what your kid will enjoy. They send you styles to suit their personality. They have sizes from 2T to 18, toddlers to tweens. They send you the items and you get to try them on at home. And I even like went through the items to see, okay, which ones do I want him to try on to decide so that that made our time try and close on like 10 minutes maybe And there's no subscription. So you just order when you need a refresh. If you're headed into camp season and you need some more shorts and tees, check them out. Just schedule a fix and then you don't have to go running all around town trying to get last minute things or you have a summer trip coming up. Try Stitch Fix today at stitchfix.com slash DMA and you're gonna get 25% off when you keep everything in your kid's fix. That's stitchfix.com slash DMA for 25% off when you keep everything in your kid's fix. stitchfix.com slash DMA. And like you said, I can imagine walking through that being a foster parent and being told you weren't able to foster, like all of the trauma you'd experienced when no one was looking out for you, all came to the surface. And so not only are you grieving the loss of these three children, you're also grieving again the pain and what you've walked through in your story. Oh,
1: yes. It was absolutely re-traumatizing i was kind of treated like a criminal and that was very challenging for me because i was like no i really do love these kids and behind closed doors i actually really am a very good nurturing mom and i had you know taken the parenting classes read the books done the counseling to try my best to get to that point and you know, I was so, so hurt because I'm remembering what my foster parents did to me and their children that they weren't held accountable for. I'm feeling like a criminal and I'm on this side of the foster care system that I promised myself I'd never be on. And then I lose these three precious children who I, I have a great relationship with their birth mom And, um, I just feel like I really let their birth mom down and the kids down. And it was very, very, you know, just like heart sunken situation, but just a few months later, um, as I said, I was, I had a really good relationship with their birth mom. I feel like that's really important. It's a thing that's not talked about in the foster care system as much. Birth parents are kind of villainized. But something that I've always tried to remember is that, like, I could have ended up in her shoes so easily if I didn't have my track coach, um, if I didn't have those people in the church pouring into me. And so I would just send her like I would I would do a devotion throughout the day and I would take a picture and send it to her um, or I would just type up a prayer and send it to her. And then one day um, she texted me and she said, I really want to get my life together. And, um, I just felt this conviction and I thought who's going to help her. Like people yeah. are helping her babies, but who's going to help her because the, the mom that has her babies now wouldn't even talk to her. So I was just like, what does what she, gonna, what does she mean? She wants to get her life turned around and how is she going to do that? If she doesn't have anyone, she was homeless as a child. Um, mm-hmm. So again, it's just that generational trauma that continues. And so I looked at Jacob, my husband, and I said, I think we should come let her live with us and we should help her get her life turned around. Um, and Jacob is the bravest person I know. I'm not brave. I'm just crazy. But <laughs> Jacob is actually, he he he's <laughs> sane. Okay. So he's he's actually brave. And... <laughs> And he was like, yeah, like I, I, we prayed, we prayed over it. We prayed about it. We waited about four hours till we made a decision and we bought her Greyhound bus tickets to come from the cities to here. And she lived with us for a month. And after eight years of homelessness, she now has her own home. Her rent is paid, you know, like she's paying her rent. She has a job. And she's trying her best to work to get her kids back. Mm. And none of that would be possible without God saying, I'm going to redeem
0: this too. Man, I have goosebumps. Because what it is, is- God is so good. God is so good. It was not about Tori being the hero here. It was humility of you being to that point of, desiring so badly to be part of the solution, thinking it was one way. And God's saying, no, 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 turn your head. This is where I'm pointing you. And it was for the mom. And man, I'm curious if it increased your compassion for your own birth mom.
1: Oh, gosh. Yes, absolutely. I feel like I've always had a not always, not always. I feel like as an adult, I have had a fair compassion, a fair amount of compassion for my birth mom, but then having her in our home just deepened it. Like, I always thought that I like, oh, I have compassion for my mom. You know, I've forgiven her. I love her over and over again. But then just being reminded of, again, that generational trauma that like, everything that my mom did so much of it was because she was hurt by other people who did stuff to her mm-hmm. and my mom she just didn't have the resources like I have been in therapy since I was 12 years old Heather like 12 oh, years goodness. old and I'm, I'm 26 now I've been in I've, I've been in therapy for 14 years like my mom just there are all these parenting books that I get to read. I get, I go to parenting classes, you know, before I was even a parent and and I married a man who comes alongside me and supports me and who is stable. And my mom, she just didn't have any of that. And her, both of her parents died before Mm. she was 25, like before she even birthed me. And so my mom just had so little support. And when This birth mom was living in our home. She was pretty much in the same position that my mom was. So she Mm -hmm. was two years younger than my mom was when my mom birthed me. And, you know, she had no parental figures walking alongside her. Men had just used her and abused her. And she was trying to numb in various ways. And right. It's, it's because of that generational trauma. Her mom was homeless. Her mom's mom was homeless. It's just like, how can you recover from that if you never get to go into a home and watch a different lifestyle and witness a different lifestyle? And that was, that, is, that was really the blessing of foster care is that I got to live with so many different people and say, oh, I don't think I want that in my family. I do want this in my family. It gives you a, just so much of a bigger picture of what you can get out of life. And if you've always lived in the same impoverished background, how are you supposed to know any different?
0: Yeah. What are some things that you saw that you said, yeah, I want to have that and that you've implemented in your home life?
1: You know, I just think like closeness of relationship and a lot of play and then not just preaching the word of Jesus, but really living out What does it mean to love like him? Yeah. And when I say that, like, I think there are people who grow up in very, like, morale based um, or principle based religion, Christianity, um, which can create people who have good relationships with God. But I really want my children to experience. What it looks like to serve the least of these that scripture, um, that the least of these scriptures that that we all point to so often, it says, What you do for the least of these, you have done unto me. And, um, since I've read that, I'm like trying to find more places in scripture where God says, If you do this, you're doing something directly to me, because that's what that scripture is saying. If we do. For the poor, for the lost, for the people that everyone turns their head from, then you're doing like you're serving me directly. I don't, I have not found another place in scripture yet that says like how we can serve God, Jesus, God directly, like that scripture. And um, I really want my kids to just have a passion and a heart to honor God and serve Him in that capacity. Because they're mom, like, right. Like I, that's really what I was. I I was kind of the least of these. I was the kid that everyone was turning their head away from. And people told my track coach, wash your hands of that girl. And, you know, he didn't, he said, I'm going to love her and serve her. And I I hope my kids can see that by not just my life, but by the life that we live.
0: Amazing. I think your adoption of your son, the having someone come live in your home. These are the things that give our faith feet, you know, that we aren't just talking about. Yes, I believe God and I believe he's good. And I believe he's for me. And I, it's like, I believe all those things and I'm willing to do the uncomfortable thing of extending myself, but I think what I love about your story is, is the fact that you had your own fostering children experience that didn't go great. Because I think sometimes we believe a lie that good Christians do X, Y, and Z, like good Christians adopt and good Christians. We have this ranking order. And what I heard in your story was, no, you leaned into God, Mm -hmm. what do you have for me next? What do you have for me next? What do you Want from me. And I think if all of us would really lean in and discern that for ourselves where we are, the ripple effect of that in our culture and society would be amazing. Not, oh, I need to do exactly what Tori did, (laughs) but what does God have for Heather? Mm -hmm. What does God have for Elizabeth? What does God have for Lauren? Like, Mm -hmm. so I really, I really love that you shared all of that because it's inspiring each of us to seek out what he has for us.
1: Yeah. Amen.
0: All right. What moms out there listening have heard about meal kits, but have never tried them. Raise your hand. I want to convince you that it's worth trying to see if it's a match for your family. We had Lazy Genius on last week, and I think it's really important to lean into what matters for you. Does it matter for you to create a meal plan from scratch? Or would you rather, while you're at work, pick out the meals, have it shipped to your house, and when it's time to cook, all of the food is ready? For you and maybe it matters that you're a part of the cooking process. You enjoy cooking. So you like chopping up vegetables. Maybe it matters to you that you want to sit down as a family. I feel like when I'm 60, 80, maybe 90 years old, the one thing I'm going to feel like I got right for our family because it mattered to us was sitting around the dinner table. Uh, my husband did it growing up. I did it growing up. And so it really mattered to us. And HelloFresh is a tool that helps you do the things that matter to you, which is sitting down together, eating healthy foods, saving money, saving time. If that resonates with you, I have a great deal for our Don't Mom Alone listeners. Go to hellofresh.com slash DMA16. It's a one and a six. Use that code DMA16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts So that's HelloFresh.com slash DMA16. Use the code DMA16 and you're gonna get free food. You are going to find out, just like I did, that HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Another thing that's making my kitchen life so much more enjoyable is caraway. Okay, so if you're someone who does enjoy cooking but you hate the mess of cleaning up. Let me tell you about caraway. It makes cooking so much easier because they have this naturally slick surface. It also makes your food healthier because you don't have to use as much oil and butter, unless you like to. Now I'm not gonna, you know, romp on your ding dong about butter, but it slides really easily off eggs and all the things. And what's even better is they're non-toxic. The caraway pots and pans and cookware are made without any toxic materials, things that are super hard to pronounce, PFAS, PTFE, things I didn't even know, chemicals. I don't even know what these chemicals are. What I love because I'm learning I'm to really lean into beauty and my favorite things, I love all of the color choices they have and how pretty the pots and pans look out on my stove when I'm cooking. Uh, I chose the terracotta one. It's really pretty. If you want to go check it out, visit carawayhome.com forward slash DMA. Take advantage of this limited time offer to get 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So visit Caraway, it's spelled C-A-R-A-W-A-Y, home.com forward slash DMA. Use that code DMA at checkout. Caraway non-toxic cookware made modern. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about your um pageant journey. What the what? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so, we're fostering the sibling group of
1: 3 and it was very challenging to have five kids 3 and under and I was in my mom outfit, my grout fit every day <laughs> and um someone presented the opportunity of pageantry to me and I thought that's superficial, just like you said, Heather, good Christians don't do that. I would not do that. Kind of like, you know, you just let your pride get in the way of things. And then every day when I laid my head on the pillow, you know, me and Jacob, every, every night we do pillow talk and we, we always go to bed, you know, early so that we can just be in the dark, no phones, no distractions and just talk. And every night I kept bringing up pageantry and I thought at the end of the day, when I'm honest with myself, that sounds really, really fun. And I felt like I was actually listening to a podcast that Annie F. Downs did. I don't remember who she did it with. I don't remember his name. I wish I could, but the guy said he had been working for God Hmm. and He wanted to work with God. Like he was working for God to be like this varsity Christian um, because he felt like that's what good Christians do. And I kind of thought like, that's what I had been doing. And I thought, what if I just did something fun, like with God, what if me and God just did something that we enjoyed
0: together? (laughs) Like, I'm like, he's my friend. I mean, you've had enough hard. You have had enough heavy. Why not something fun with your father? Yeah. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Thank you for the permission, Heather, because I really did need it. I needed it. And that's what Jacob kept saying. You know, he was like, You can just have fun. You can just be with him. And that varsity, the idea of a varsity Christian just, it just really hit me right in the heart. And I was like, Okay, I'm going to do this and I'm just going to try and have fun with God. And so, you know, I hired a coach and kept progressing in the pageant world and went to compete at Mrs. Universe in Vegas in July. And my coach told me, she said, I really think you could win this. She said, you know, she said you're beautiful and your story is so powerful and just don't tell your story any different than you have been telling your story now for years. You know, she said, just be yourself. And so that's what I did. And they say in pageantry that interview wins pageants. And so interview is usually like 60 to 70% of your score. Wow. And um you're yeah, you're in a room with six or more judges and they just fire questions at you. And every pageant is different. But at this specific pageant, I think we have seven minutes to answer all the questions. If you don't get the questions answered, then you just you know, you just walk out and that's it. And, um, I knew when I walked out of my interview that it went well and I did, I felt pretty confident after that. And then, um, the next day, I, what my coach primarily coached me on was things like walk and poise, like on stage, uh, because it really is, it's so different. It's just different. You don't walk on a pageant stage like you do in real life. <laughs> and um it might look like they do but they they don't. It's it's so different. And um now I can see it but I didn't know that then. And my stage work was I just felt like it wasn't strong even though we'd practiced it a million times. It was just so different. And then when you're, you're you know you're on that stage in a very competitive mindset, you can psych yourself out especially when you're watching other girls. And so um I was just like I don't know. Like I was up against um one woman who had gotten top five in Miss USA and another girl who got top three in Miss America. And I was just like, you know, if I don't win, I'm just really grateful that I got the opportunity and I got to raise awareness about foster care. And I did talk about my faith and what God had done in my life. And I was like, okay, I've I've really like the whole goal was to have fun and proclaim the name of Jesus. And I really felt like I did that. And then, so when I won, it really just felt like it was like a bonus Mm. because I had fun. Like I wanted to. (laughs) That's
0: amazing. You just gave permission to a lot of moms, honestly. Yeah. No mom shame. I'm (laughs) over the mom shame. Shame off you. That's right. That's right. So what are your responsibilities as Mrs. Universe? What do you have to do now?
1: Okay, so here's the really cool thing about Mrs. Universe. I know now one of the reasons they want I was chosen to be Mrs. Universe, why I won the title is because I was doing everything that they wanted Mrs. Universe to do. How pageantry works is that you know you have a charitable organization that you choose um that you just work alongside to promote your platform and you know, some women, they choose cancer. A lot of times if they're cancer survivors, women who have been human trafficking survivors do human trafficking, um, all kinds of different platforms. But obviously my platform has been foster care and advocating for the least of these. And, um, I've just gotten to do the same thing, but Heather, people take me so much more seriously now. Oh, Interesting. <laughs> I'm like, Wow. It's so funny. It's so funny. I'm like, guys, like, I'm still the same person. I've been literally doing the same thing. (laughs) Like nothing I have done has changed between before Mrs. Universe and after, but that title makes people take me so much more seriously. And you know what, where, because of where I've come from, I've always struggled for people to take me seriously. Mm. Um, I think, like I said, in the beginning, I think when i was coming to people and saying i really feel like i have this burden on my heart to share what god has done in my life what he's brought me out of i think a lot of people would be like oh she's just this wounded young woman who wants to express her story and people didn't really take me seriously yeah and now that i have this title people are like yeah come and share and <laughs> yeah. however much you want it's just made people Trust me so much more, and there's there's a kind of messed up part to that, but at the same time, um, I am really grateful for it because my objective is to proclaim God's name, and if I had to be Mrs. Universe to make Him shine um, brighter through me, to make people see Him more through me, I have no problem doing that.
0: It's really cool. One. I think God's always super gracious to expand our boundaries in a time that won't crush us. So I don't know if Tori five years ago could have handled the mass amount of tension that a Mrs. Universe would get, garner, but he's so kind that he gave it to you when you chose to have fun with him because so much of you getting out of the place you were was through effort and work on the track. And for this to be a completely different stage for you to shine and for it to be a joy, I think is a kindness. And so it's a super inspirational for each of us to trust God and his timing in his way and to partner with him, like you said, instead of working for him. And so I just, I'm really honored to get to share your story again and hopefully point people even back to our previous conversation so they can hear more, but I'm excited for your book to come out. Tell everyone a little bit of that before we have to go. What, when is it coming out and what's it about?
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. So fostered is being released August 30th and it's just It's the whole story, the whole story, Um, things I've never talked about on social media or on a podcast. There are things only my husband knows that are going into that book. Um, And I was very honest in it because I really wanted people to understand the really dark place that I was in because of the abuse that I'd experienced and because of the sin in the world. And I wanted people to understand, like, no matter how dark of the place you're coming from, no matter what you've done or what you've had done to you, God loves you. And he can bring you out of that place with his light and with his hand that's been over your life. Um, It's not just, it doesn't just come like his hand doesn't just come over our lives when we say, okay, I accept you his, he's always accepting us and his hand is always over our lives. It's just that we have to acknowledge it. And so I really try and paint that picture through the story and show people what my track coach did for me through the power of words and love and what I hope we are doing now through the power of words and love, because that's what was
0: done for us. Very cool. Well, we'll put a link so people can pre-order because that's still a little ways away, but in book writing world, it's just around the corner. Just (laughs) so you all
1: know. It (laughs) is just just around the corner. And (laughs) Heather, I have no, listen listen to this. I have no shame in saying this. I am like going hard on this book. Please pre-order the book. When I wasn't an author, I didn't understand the world of publishing, but now I understand that pre-orders are really, really important. for um, authors. And something else that I understand is that store, I thought that Barnes and Noble had every book in the world in that (laughs) store. And I guess that's not how it works either. Um, I guess you have to sell enough books from stores for them to carry your book. And so I'm, I'm saying this because this is so important. When I was in the system, I didn't have any social media and that's my biggest platform is social media. I didn't have social media, I wasn't allowed to, I wasn't allowed to be on the computer. And still, some counties implement those rules for older youth in care because they see it as a means to protect them. And so youth really will not have like access to this book in a way that a kid not in foster care would. And so one of the only ways that they they may see this book outside of social media would be on the store shelves. And so please pre-order the book so that stores are like, wow, there are so many, (laughs) there are so many pre-orders of this book that we need to put it on the shelves because that's how youth and foster care um, are going to get their hands on it. And it's really important that they get their hands on that. So I just, I just hope that it's a yeah. request it for
0: your library
1: too. Yes. 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 I hope that it's a, a book that just rewrites the identities of youth in foster care to who God says they are.
0: That's amazing. Thank you, Tori, for joining <laughs> me today. I'm so excited for you and great to catch up and hear what God's doing in your life. And we're cheering you on. Heather, thank you. It is a pleasure
1: and an honor. And I love you.
0: Oh, Love you too, sis. So Tori has a new book coming out. It's coming out in August. It tells her story. It's called Fostered. Uh, We put a link in our show notes for you to pre-order if that's something that's going to resonate with you and where your heart is. But we had her on now because it's Foster Care Awareness Month. And if you have a friend who's fostering um, or this episode, you just something pricked in your heart. The Holy Spirit prompted you and it may not be in the traditional sense. Lean into that lean into that. Don't discount it. All acts of obedience play into God's big plan. And he will use that in ways you may never see. So I'm going to pray over us and over Tori as she heads into the next thing God has for her. Lord, I I know that your heart grieved with Tori as she walked through the challenges she did. But Lord, we are so thankful that you use people in her life to draw her closer to you, to show her your love. We thank you even in the challenge of her own foster parenting story that you use Tori to minister to those kids' mom. I pray, Lord, that you would open the the eyes of our hearts, that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts to remember the hope that we have, that we've been promised, I pray that you'd also open the eyes of our hearts to see those you want us to serve in unexpected ways, in in ways that we may discount as too small, too insignificant, that those matter to you, God, that we trust those moments to you, that they don't have to be on a stage wearing a crown, but if that's even what you're assigning to us, God, that we would trust you with that. I pray, Lord, for Tori. Put a hedge of protection around her as she heads into launching this book. I pray for what you have next for her as in her Mrs. Universe role. I pray, Lord, for each mom and dad listening that you would remind them right now that your hand is over them and over their kids and you have not forgotten them. You are present with them and in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, y'all, next week uh, I'm taking a risk. I'm going to do a solo episode. I'm feeling really passionate about a topic and I want to talk about it. Also, thank you to everyone who has told a friend about the show. That is how this ministry reaches more people is you doing the marketing work. And I really appreciate it. Even if you've, an episode has encouraged you. If you share it on socials or tell a mom on the sidelines of baseball or at that next banquet you're going to or whatever it is. That is so fantastic. Again, don't discount those small things. I appreciate them. There are so many moms weary and isolated and we don't want her to mom alone. So thank you for being my ambassadors of hope and holding that out for all the moms uh, in your community. All right, I'll see you back here next week. Adios. Adios.